We continue on in our lectionary reading in 2 Samuel chapter 11. You can find that on page 248. And then our Old Testament lesson, we're continuing in the book of Ephesians, and you can find that on page 950 in the Pew Bible. I hope you'll join along with me in reading those scriptures. But before I read those, let's go to God in prayer. Holy Spirit, creative power of God, strengthen us to the depths of our humanity. Fill us with the love of Christ. Feed us with the bread of heaven so that we will share with the world the saying that is true. I am is with us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab with his officers and all of Israel with him. They ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Reba. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David rose from his couch and was walking about on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to inquire about the woman. It was reported, this is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers to get her, and she came and he lay with her. Then she returned to her house. The woman conceived And she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab and the people fared and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. Uriah went out of the king's house, and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the entrance of the king's house with the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. When they told David Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, you've just come from a journey. Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, the ark And Israel and Judah remain in booths. And my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to Uriah, Remain here today also. And tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day. On the next day, David invited him to eat and drink in his presence and made him drunk. And in the evening, he went out to lie on his couch with the servants of his Lord, but did not go down to his house. In the morning, 
David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting and then draw back from him to maybe struck down and die. As uncomfortable as it is to hear for us, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever stumbled upon a private conversation and yet you're so curious you just can't turn away? I have to admit, I was a nosy child And not much has really changed in adulthood. But when I was around the age of seven, I can remember walking down my hall to my bedroom. And as I passed the bedroom door of my parents, I could hear them talking because it was pulled to and not closed all the way. I just couldn't help myself. I had to stop and try to listen in. The longer I stood outside the room, the more it became clear that they were having a conversation about my upcoming birthday. I was so excited. What surprise was I going to uncover? My mom started talking about what gift they would get me, how she would go shopping while I was at school during the day, and she would hide the gift in the back of her closet. I couldn't believe it. How did I manage such perfect timing? My mom continued, suggesting that they get me a puppy. A puppy. I was going to get a puppy. I was so excited that I wanted to scream, but I kept quiet because I didn't really want them to know that I was there. And then I began to think in my head, wait, how are they going to get me a puppy and hide it in the back of my mom's closet until my party this weekend? Wasn't it going to bark? Wouldn't I know that it was there? And I was so excited that I didn't realize they had opened the door. 
I was busted. And the laughter that came from my father made it clear that there was no plan to actually get a puppy. They had heard me walk up to the door and made up the whole conversation. In this morning's New Testament lesson, we're doing a bit of eavesdropping, and he knows we're listening. Last week, the lectionary had us in Ephesians chapter 2 thinking about the peace of Christ. This week, as we continue on in chapter 3, we're listening to Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. It's important that as we study this text together, we pay attention to that point. It's a prayer for the church, not just for one individual, but rather for the community as a whole. We know this because of the word you that is used throughout the prayer. It's actually a plural you. So maybe next time you go through and read this chapter 3, you'll read it as y'all. As the scripture is the living word of God, I also believe that we can hear this as a prayer for our community. A prayer for Faith Presbyterian Church. The first thing Paul prays for in this community of faith is that they would be strengthened in their inner being through the working of the Holy Spirit. In case you're not exactly sure what that means, he adds on that Christ will dwell in your hearts. As you know, I've been back from maternity leave for about three weeks now. One of the blessings that we received while I was on leave is that my parents came down to help with Davis while we went to the hospital, and then they stayed for about a week after to help with our transition to a family of four. It was clear by the end of the week with all six of us in the house that my parents were doing the best they could to accommodate our way of living. They prepared meals based on our traditional menu. They loaded the dishwasher after watching how Thomas liked to have it loaded. They even made sure that the clothes were folded the same way as they were in our drawers. After all, they were simply guests passing through our home. Our newborn Gray, on the other hand, wasn't nearly as accommodating as my parents. He upended our sleep. We had to adapt our morning routine now with not having one but two children to get ready. We've all had to learn to adjust our way of living. When Paul uses that word dwell, he's not suggesting that we treat Christ like my parents, expecting Christ to adapt to our way of living simply as someone passing through. Rather, for Christ to dwell in our hearts means that he takes up permanent residence. Like a pastor praying for the church, Paul is praying that Christ's work within our hearts will result in lasting shifts and changes for our community. He's praying that we will learn from Christ's example 
and in just how we live in response. What should faith look like if we are truly strengthened in our inner being and Christ dwells among us? And what should we look like as individuals if we're allowing Christ to dwell within us? Just as no two family dynamics are the same when a new member is added, I think this will look different for each of us. But I now know as a mother of a two-year-old and an 11-week-old, when you add a member to your family, nothing is ever the same again. If Christ truly dwells in your heart and mine, things must be different. In addition to praying for Christ's permanent residence, Paul also prays that the church will be rooted and grounded in love. As I hear this prayer, I can't help but think of Pando. Have you ever heard of this? It's located in Fish Lake National Forest out in Utah. Pando is a forest of quaking aspens. What's different about Pando, though, is that while it is a forest of trees, it's actually only one organism. The 47,000 trees in the grove are connected by a single root system. It reproduces not by pollinating, but rather by sprouting a new tree from the root. The root system helps fellow trees fight off disease. 47,000 trees, over 107 acres, all connected by the same root. I'm hard-pressed to think of a better image for the church. This prayer for us to be rooted and grounded in God's love is so powerful for me. Because when storms come, it is our rooting that grounds us. Rooted in Christ's love. From where do we draw our nourishment? Our roots. We are fed by the love of God, strengthened in our inner being by prayer, study of scripture, and worship. However, we're rooted with one another, indelibly connected because of God's love. Connected and grounded through this community of faith because of God's love. I really appreciate Paul's language for God's love because it reminds me of how expansive the word is. Love is not one-dimensional but rather it is bigger, larger, taller, and wider than we can ever comprehend. It is quite literally incomprehensible. And yet, Paul prays that we would know that God's love is expansive. One of the biggest blessings of getting to serve as a pastor is that I get to journey in life alongside you. We travel together in both the highs and the lows. It's not uncommon for someone to ask to meet when they're experiencing a crisis. 
and I'm grateful for those opportunities. But often when we're in crisis, we find ourselves asking questions like, why? Where is God in the midst of my pain? And it breaks my heart because I don't have the answer to those questions. That's why my prayer is like that of Paul's. And it's what I believe we should pray for one another. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. God's love is so much larger than what we can know. And that is its gift. So when you don't understand the diagnosis, may you experience the breadth of God's love. When it seems that your marriage is falling apart, may you feel the length of God's love. When you aren't offered that job, May you know the height of God's love. When the hurricane blows away all you have worked for, may you experience the depth of God's love. When reason cannot give us answers, may God's love surround us. For many of us in these types of trials, It's incredibly difficult to feel, experience, and know God's love. And so when members of this family struggle to know that love, as the body of Christ rooted together, that's a chance for us to believe and know it for one another. Brad's favorite theologian, Mr. Rogers, wrote, Love isn't a state of perfect caring. It's an active noun like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is, right here and now. We embody God's love when we accept those in the midst of struggle, rather than try to solve away their trauma or pain. We live in the tension alongside them, knowing God's love is present with us until they are strengthened in their inner being, until they are in a place to say, while I may not understand, I am confident of God's great love for me. As we pass the peace to one another and remind each other of Christ's peace, May our response of, and also with you, remind us that we are not alone on this journey. And also with you, because we are rooted together in the love of Christ. And also with you, as we struggle to believe, I will be grounded in God's love alongside you. And also with you, because we are part of that same great family. Let us pray for one another. Let us support one another. 
So I'd like for us to practice that right now. Let's believe it and speak it with confidence. I ask that you look to your left and to your right. Look to those eyes seated around you. And let's pass the peace, saying, Peace be with you and also with you. Peace be with you, and also with you, and also with you, because we serve a God who is able to do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. And that, my friends, is good news.